Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our consideration this morning is the second lesson that we just heard from Revelation chapter 21. St. John writes this about what God enabled him to see in a vision of what awaits us. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives its light and the Lamb is its lamp. This is the word of our Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, who gives us light and joy, dear friends. There are certain cities that are almost universally associated with a landmark that's located there. For instance, you can hardly think of San Francisco without also thinking of the Golden Gate Bridge. Paris has the Eiffel Tower, London, Big Ben, New York City has the, New, the Empire State Building, even Colorado Springs we can't picture without thinking of Pike's Peak. It would be strange indeed to visit any of those cities and not see those famous landmarks. Imagine going to San Francisco and finding the Golden Gate Bridge was no longer there. Or imagine waking up one morning and looking west when it isn't clouded over and not seeing Pike's Peak. That's kind of the situation that the Apostle John found himself in as he looked in this vision that God gave to him in Revelation. Our our reading this morning picks up right where we left off last Sunday. And, And like last Sunday... This, this vision that God gave to John that he's describing for us shows us what we would sometimes call the, the, the church triumphant. That is, God's people who are now enjoying the glories of heaven. And like last Sunday, we see the church triumphant, the, 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 the God's people in heaven portrayed, symbolized by the city of Jerusalem, the, the new Jerusalem the heavenly Jerusalem. Like the actual physical geographical location of Jerusalem, as John looked at this symbolic image of God's people enjoying heaven, he saw that this this new Jerusalem had, had walls and gates and a foundation. Although they were made of gold and precious gems, But as he looked at this new Jerusalem, again symbolizing God's people with him in heaven, he saw that there was something missing. A landmark that people would almost automatically associate with the physical city of Jerusalem, and that is the temple. There was no temple as John looked up at this heavenly Jerusalem. Now, There hasn't been a temple in the city of Jerusalem since the year 70 A.D. That's when the Romans came in and leveled it to the ground and it has never, ever been rebuilt. When John wrote the words of Revelation, 
the temple in Jerusalem had been gone for probably 20 or so years already. But for most of John's life, the temple was there. In fact, for, for, for just about every single Jew in the world, that was what was Jerusalem was all about. For a thousand years, that's why people went to Jerusalem to worship in the temple, the center of worship for God's Old Testament people. That's where they would gather. That's where they had those, those, those special symbols that, that reminded them of God, the, the Holy of Holies and Ark of the Covenant, the altar where sacrifices were offered. That's where the sacrifices, which symbolized and pointed ahead to the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God, happened day after day after day. It would be unthinkable prior to 70 A.D. to go to Jerusalem and not see the temple. And yet as John looks up and sees this this restored, perfect Jerusalem, the heavenly new Jerusalem, he couldn't help but notice there was no temple. This morning as we continue these, these series of portraits of our risen Savior that we see painted with words as John describes these visions that he sees of of our risen Savior in the book of Revelation. Let's consider this portrait. Actually, there's two of them that we see this morning. Jesus is portrayed as the temple where God communes with his people and the lamp where he sheds light on us. Let's start with that, that picture of Jesus as the temple. There was no temple in a different place as well. That is the Garden of Eden. There's no temple there in Eden. There was no church. That's because Adam and Eve didn't need one. They didn't need to go to a building to commune with God. They didn't need to worship together in some kind of a temple, tabernacle, church to hear God's word and to praise him. They could do it physically. They could walk with God. They could talk directly to him and he talked to them. They enjoyed this this perfect relationship with God. They had been created in his image. They, like God, were holy. God's will, their will, meshed. And they could commune directly with God. Yeah, that is until that one horrible, awful, fateful day when Adam and Eve listened to Satan, fell for his temptation, and defied their Creator, sinning against him. And that image that they had been created in, the image of perfection and holiness, was shattered. No longer did they enjoy this perfect fellowship and communion with their Creator. Now they hid in shame and fear of Him. Thank God He didn't allow that to last. Almost immediately after Adam and Eve fell into sin, God promised them a Savior. A Savior who would come to crush Satan In the meanwhile, he would be harmed by Satan as well. But in doing so, he restored that broken relationship between his people and him. But even though the relationship between God and his people was restored by God's grace and forgiveness, it wasn't the same anymore. 
Nothing was the same. The, the perfect world they enjoyed was not perfect anymore. Now there was pain and difficulty and hardship and sadness and death. And while they did have their relationship with their God restored perfectly, it didn't feel perfect. Their will and God's will didn't always mesh. Now they often clashed. Now they had doubts and, and fears. Now they longed for that, that perfect communion with their Creator that they once enjoyed. And so does everyone else. So do all of their descendants, including us. We, we, we long for a restored relationship with God. We long to commune with our Creator. It, it some has been described by some as this God-shaped hole that's in our lives that only God can fill, and we want that so desperately. And so because of that, the first generation, that is Adam and Eve's children, began to gather for public worship. They would worship God, not necessarily in a building, not yet. They would do it outdoors. We think of, for instance, Abraham worshiping under the great trees of Mamre. But they would gather to worship kind of like we do. They would remember God's words and promises. They would pray. They would praise him. Later on, then, as uh, God's people were released from slavery in Egypt, they, they, at God's direction, built a tabernacle, a tent, it was movable, but it was a place where, again, they would gather to commune with their God. And then finally, under King Solomon, the temple was built in Jerusalem. What a glorious structure that temple was. Just beautiful, massive. But most important, that was where God's people came to commune with their Lord. That is where the sacrifices happened. That is where his word was proclaimed. That is where they praised and prayed to him. We don't have a beautiful, magnificent temple like they did in Jerusalem, but we have this beautiful church. This is where we come to fill that, that God-shaped hole. This is where we come to commune with our God as he comes to us, as he promises where two or three are gathered, there am I with you. As he comes to us in his word, as he comes to us in his sacraments, as we speak to him in our prayers and in our praises, as he speaks to us through his word, treasure this place that we get to come to to commune with our God. But... It's not the same, is it? It's not the same as it was in the beginning, back in Eden when things were perfect. Yes, God is here. He promises it. But we can't see him. So sometimes maybe we question that. Yes, God speaks to us in his word. But sometimes we doubt it. He makes us promises that we often fail to grasp and rely on. It's not the same, but one day it will be. That's what John was looking at. That's what John was seeing when he looked and saw that, that heavenly new Jerusalem and there was no temple. Why not? Because God's people 
won't need a building to gather in to worship their God. Just like Adam and Eve didn't in the Garden of Eden. St. John says, the Lamb, the Lamb of God, is the temple. There in heaven, we will see Jesus face to face. We won't have to gather in a building and not see Him, just to have His promise. You'll see Him. You won't have to have one of His representatives standing in front of you speaking His word. You will hear Him speak it Himself. You will not need to gather to, to, to receive His body and blood and Holy Communion. He'll be right there with that same body embracing you. That's the picture of our risen Savior, the portrait that John paints for us today, the Lamb who is the temple. That's what we get to look forward to. We yearn for that. We long for that perfect communion that we will enjoy with our Savior. But I think this, this glimpse, this portrait of our risen Savior should also, though, remind us and help us to appreciate the temple, the church, that we have here on earth. Until that day when we get to heaven where we will not need a temple because Jesus, the Lamb of God, will be that temple, let's treasure the opportunity we have to gather here in this building where Jesus, the Lamb of God, comes to us in word and sacrament, where we get to come together and worship Him and speak to Him in our prayers and our praises. Take advantage of every opportunity you have to commune with your God here in His temple and look forward to the day when you won't need to come to a building to do that, when the Lamb, the risen Savior, will be our temple. But as John looked at this this vision of what awaits God's people in eternity, there was something else missing in that city of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. Not only was there not a physical building, a temple building there, he noticed that there was no sun, no moon, no, no what we would think of as the source of light. Light is, is not just important, it's essential. It's the reason that our Creator began His work of creation by creating light, the very first thing God created. Why? There can be no light, or rather life, without light. Light allows life to live and grow. Light allows us not to grope around in the darkness. Light also gives us security, comfort, confidence. You think of, think of light, how, how a street light or a porch light or a, even a flashlight gives us security and f- frees us from fear of danger. Light drives away fear. So why wasn't there a sun or a moon? Why wasn't there that source of light there in, in the city of Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem? St. John explains why. He says they don't need the sun or the moon to give light. He says the Lamb is the light. Jesus, the Lamb of God, sheds His light, drives away all fears and doubts and gloom for God's people in heaven. That's what we can look forward to. A place where there will be no more fears, no more doubts, no more gloom, no more sadness, no more pain, no more death, but only the light 
of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Look forward to that. But also let that remind us of the need that we have now because we're not there yet. We're in a world that's getting darker and darker. But Jesus is our light, even in this dark world, and we need to stick with that light, the light that he gives to us in his word that's a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. When I read the words that I just did from Revelation 21 about Jesus, the light, that the city that needs no sun or moon because the Lamb is its lamp. I can't help but think about a time that I read those exact same words 27 years ago. Some of you have heard me tell this story. I apologize if you have heard it before, but I think it's worth telling again. I read those words 27 years ago to an eight-year-old boy, a member of the congregation I was serving. He was in the final stages of terminal leukemia. Parents called me and said, Pastor, you need to come. I think this is it. I went to the hospital room. And in that hospital room was that little boy, Christopher, lying in his bed. He had been given a heavy dosage of morphine, so he was feeling absolutely no pain. In fact, he was, for all intents and purposes, comatose. He was sleeping. The room was darkened. Drapes were closed, lights were turned out, or at least dimmed. And even though it didn't appear like he was aware or could hear anything, I I read to him those words from Revelation, where John looks and sees the heavenly Jerusalem and says, they don't need the sun or the moon, the lamb is its lamp. And telling this little boy that heaven is this bright and happy place where there's no darkness, nothing to be afraid of. When I read those words, the lamb will be its lamp, that little boy who, again, remember, was sedated with morphine, suddenly sat up in his bed. And he shielded his eyes as if there were a bright light, and there certainly wasn't in that room. And he said loud and clear, the light. And then he settled back down in his pillow, closed his eyes, and those were the last words he spoke. And he went to that heavenly home shortly after that. Now, I don't know if he, hearing those words, even though it didn't appear that he was able to, if just hearing those words made him think of the light, Or if Jesus, that lamb that is the lamp that gives light in heaven, actually appeared to that little boy, all I do know is this. He knew where he was going and he wasn't afraid because of that lamb of God who is the light of the world and the light of heaven forever. And we don't have to be afraid either. Because that lamb is the lamp who gives us light. In this world, dimmed by sin, in our own doubts, in heaven, bright with nothing to dim it. Look forward to that day when you will get to be in that light, bask in the glow of the light of the Lamb, the resurrected Savior, the one who is the temple where he communes with us perfectly and forever, the one who is the lamp who gives us light and drives away all fears and doubts and gloom 
forever. Amen. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will give your, will give your hearts and minds rest, peace, and comfort in Jesus, the light of the world.